Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. If I sound different, it's because I am different. I'm jet lagged and in the old continent for the first time since 2019. Joining you today from Paris with the traditional TMBA episode full of themes, sharing stories of entrepreneurship that aren't typically shared on the web from people who aren't promoting their journeys necessarily and showing specifically how you can parlay the agency model into more ambitious business conceptions. So here we go. Today's guest is returning. His name is Dustin Overbeck, and he's a member of our online community, the DC. The last time we spoke in 2017, we focused on his experience of growing agency, which is called TownWeb, and whose focus is helping local governments in the US build and redesign their websites. More recently, Dustin's been energized by a much more ambitious vision, a new company called HeyGov, which helps U.S. municipalities, so the same client book, become more efficient through their online presence by offering services, among many others, but some examples would be allowing residents to file non-emergency complaints with the municipality and especially make payments for things that they owe the government, which a lot of times those things are done in person by check in the U.S. right now. So helping municipalities get more efficient on those things and increase their revenue. So crazily enough, he does all this while living and raising a family in, of all places, Romania, Transylvania, to be precise. So a true globalized approach to business, but lots has been happening in Dustin's life since we last talked. Not only that ambitious vision for HeyGov and the raising of capital investment, but he's been hiring a lot. And for reasons we'll go into as well, starting a web development company based in Serbia. What's changed? If you were to restart an agency in 2022, part of me is like the cost of building websites has gone down dramatically or it's sort of the typical content site. I'm curious if you started an agency nowadays, how would the service offering look different than it might five years ago? Although the technology has changed, the actual service itself has not. So being able to talk to a client, giving them the warm, friendly feeling that they can be taken care of. So I would say one big thing that's different from 15 years ago is when we were pitching websites, many places didn't even have a website. So we're trying to educate them on the opportunity that they can have by having a website and the advantages that they would have and the benefits that their community members would have. Nowadays, it's very rare that somebody is coming to us asking for a website redesign and doesn't already have one. They're ready to switch because the person who designed the website is no longer available or they're not getting the good service that they expected or the website has constant downtime or that they don't get the services that they would like to have, like automatic notifications, the ability for people to subscribe to news and notices. What's the best way, if you're sitting at home right now, formulating what your agency might look like, your hypothetical first business outside of having a job, say, what's the best way to, to find, identify, and create profitable customers? So for example, would you say, oh, you know what, I'm going to build these websites at just 20% margin, and then I'm going to make my money on ongoing services and hosting fees, or am I going to do these excellent build an amazing sales and marketing presentation and try to get a big hit up front? Like, How would you suggest someone following in your footsteps to consider 
Getting the most profitable customers. Oh, you're asking for most profitable customers. I think in that case, going after bigger projects. See, that was one of the things I didn't do early on with TownWeb is I thought I could have a niche going after a lot of smaller customers. I was going after a volume-based business. And within one year of starting the business, the 2008 financial crisis hit. And I realized even though we weren't charging that much, that I had to really lower our rates and offer municipalities the opportunity to sign up with us. So what we did is greatly reduced our setup fee or even waived it with a three-year contract. Now that's hard to do. It's hard to do if you have a family to support, a mortgage to pay, a car payment. But at the time I was actually living in the Philippines. My wife, my now wife and I were dating at the time. We were living in Manila and so our expenses were quite low. And I look back at that and those, I don't know, 70 or so customers that signed up in the first two years, they are still with us for the majority. And even though there wasn't a lot of profit in that, that gave me the cash flow to know that I hit product market fit. I had incoming receivables. And the fact that we were selling something that was recurring didn't mean I had to sell each and every month. One of the advantages of having a productized service like Town Web is, is you get some money on the setup fee. But the big thing is the recurring revenue because you can weather the storm. And if you can get a lot of customers to sign up early on, you can have a lot of recurring revenue, knowing that's what's keeping the boat afloat. Yeah, like not all revenues created equal. It's interesting. So if we would have flipped off the mics in 2017 after your last episode, and I was like, be real with us here. What's the worst part about your business and the best part? Because you're around <laughs> so many different other entrepreneurs, and I like playing this game of let's complain. Like what sucks about our business, but what do we appreciate about our business? At that moment, where were you at emotionally with those two different angles? Was 2017 the year that you guys sold your business? Well, that was a couple years earlier, 15. A couple years earlier. Okay, because I remember around that time frame, I thought, you know what? I probably need to sell too. <laughs> These guys are selling, counting Benjamins. That was before I published my crappy ebook about how I regret it selling my <laughs> Yeah, I, that has made a big change in, in the way I'm thinking as well. But I was thinking, what are things that I want in life? Looking at the business, it provided steady income, was predictable. I was working with really interesting people, but the industry itself is boring. Like it's nothing sexy about selling websites to municipalities or selling any service to local government. But you know what it solves? Now looking back, it solves a really big need that people have. And I've actually had other municipal customers of ours, municipal clerks, tell me like, you have a really great idea here. This is something that's really needed. And it's unique because it's so niche. Nobody grows up thinking someday when I grow up, I want to be a web design provider for local government. Nobody thinks about that. It pays the bills and then some. And here's the thing. I was listening to all these other podcasts, especially on, oh, what's it with uh, Rob Walling? Startups, Startups for, for the, the rest of us. us. You do freelancing, you start an agency, and then you go towards SaaS. And that's the path that I decided that I wanted to take because I'm looking at the transition of 15 years. Okay, things are going well. 2017 was great, improved what we were delivering, raised the prices based on feedback. And then really things changed because of the pandemic, because for a part during the pandemic, there were two months where we got no money coming in. What was the first day of the pandemic for you in Romania? What did it feel like and how were you thinking about it? Actually, I wasn't in Romania at that time. December 2019, prior to the pandemic, the family and I flew here to Wisconsin to spend Christmas time with the family. The family flew back in early January because school was starting and I decided to stay on for a month or two later because of project work and things like that. And then COVID hit like within that time frame, and I was not able to get on a plane. I couldn't book a flight. Three or four different flights were canceled and I was stuck without the family for six or seven months. 
that must have been terrible. It was hard. It was hard because I was thinking, what is my wife going to do with those two kids there? What if they get sick? We didn't know how bad things could be. And then we hit with a financial crisis for the business because municipalities, another thing that's not sexy about selling to local government is they write checks. Very few actually have credit cards to actually pay us. So we were getting, we typically get many hundreds of checks written to us each year. And for about 60 days, we got zero checks sent to us because they couldn't have meetings. They couldn't physically have a quorum to meet, to decide and to vote on paying checks where you need more than one signature. And that was the impetus to start HeyGov because I wanted to bring government so it can work digitally and work remotely. And so even though it was very tough to be away from my family for six or seven months, not knowing what was going to happen, it gave me the idea to work on a project to help local government. And that was the idea to go into software instead of only just run an agency. I'm a elected council member, Ephrata Local, Pennsylvania. We got a website and everything. We've used your agency. And now you're coming in with some fancy software. What can you guys do for me? What we typically do now is we ask, so how are some forms and license applications filled out? So when a citizen needs to fill out, let's say something like a pet license, do they have that information available on your website? Yeah, they can just download it. Okay, so they download that information. They download the PDF. I assume it's a PDF. Now you have to print it. Now they fill it out by hand. And can they pay with credit card? No, no, no. They got to pay with check. Well, they can drop off cash at the town hall. Okay, <laughs> so now they pay by cash or check. They can mail it in, right? Yep. So they drop it off. They mail it in. All right. Would it make your life easier if they could just fill it out online and automatically send it in? Yeah. And the reason is, is because oftentimes the information that's filled out on paper isn't correct or there's missing information. So now they have to find the person, call them up, track them down, ask them to come in and correct the information that was already submitted. And it turns out that a lot of municipal clerks are working like air traffic controllers trying to make order out of this chaos. And this is what our software is really doing is to streamline everything so everything can be done electronically. I am on your website, Tweak Agency, looking at your case studies, man. It's so nice. I need to sign like this. That's the agency I bought in 2019. It's a local agency to Northeast Wisconsin. You bought it? I bought it from a local owner. She was in a position where she was looking at it, exiting her business. And a large part of it, too, was because her main developer, her main design guy, was leaving. He was going to go work for a larger organization, an organization that paid well, paid better, and also provided a benefits like healthcare and things like that. So she needed to partner with another organization that had a deep bench and town web provided that because we have a lot of developers, a lot of support people, trainers, project managers, things that small agencies typically don't have. So she exited the company and I took over the liability of having extra employees and took the client list and everything else like that, which funny enough, a couple months later, everybody canceled their social media contracts because of COVID. So that was really tough, but we recovered and we can really specialize in local projects in Northeast Wisconsin because we can take on these big branding projects. We can do pretty much anything when it comes down to web design because of the team we have and the people we have for branding. I'm hearing you take on a lot here. And I know you talked about the theme is hiring, especially with the GM of the agency. If you could talk about the first time you really thought, maybe I shouldn't be the one to run the day-to-day -day of Town Whip. Yeah. At that time, I was working with Tim Conley as my business coach, trying to bring the business to the next level. And part of that is doing less as the business owner. And so it was one of those things is like, well, what does it take to have somebody else run the business? Well, you can offer either equity or a big salary to somebody from the outside to come in. or he said, he suggested to me is, 
you have somebody who's already familiar with the culture, somebody who's internal to the company, sometimes the best bet is to promote somebody from within. And I was trying to think, well, who would be great within the company? And then I thought back to what Liz was doing. And who is Liz? So Liz is somebody that I hired several years prior to help out with account management. In the day when I was hiring more people from overseas, we had streamlined everything with TownWeb so that we would send out a series of emails. The hardest part in launching websites is getting people to send us content. A lot of times we can take an existing website, pull that content over and get it ready in the new structure. But sometimes there's a lot of missing content. We used learning management software so that it would send out an email, say, hey, can you please fill out this information? Can you send us this content? And then after two, three days of them not replying to it, we'd send out another email, a little bit more strongly worded, to like the third email was like, <laughs> come on, ready to go forward. And I was telling Tim about our frustration with trying to get this done. And he said, why are you treating your customers like machines? And it was at that point, I decided to hire somebody US-based who maybe isn't super technical, but who's super people-friendly. And Liz was one of the people who I hired. And now when we get on calls with people, we do a Zoom call, we share a screen, we go through the entire website. And these calls are sometimes like 40, 45 minutes in length, but we save months of time. We were now able to launch websites more quickly because we were able to get on a call and say, okay, we need the forms and permits page. Here's what you have on your website. What's missing? I see. Oh yeah, we also have this. We also, okay, go ahead and just send us an email at support at TownWeb and attach that document. Okay, I'll do it right now. Cool. Okay, now we have an FAQ page. We see that you have these things. So you're onboarding your clients, in other words. Basically onboarding new clients in a Zoom session where we get like a majority of the content right away. It's like a big jump to go from account manager to GM. It definitely is. We did onboard her in a way that wasn't like, here, go ahead, take control. And I just abdicated. It wasn't quite like that. It was more like, Let's ease you into this. And she actually had six months of coaching from Tim to get to the level because he knew the business. He understood what I was working on because we've been working together for more than a year and that kind of smoothed things over. And then we were having like meetings every other week. And now we meet on a very rare occasion. We're actually going to have our second meeting in six months this week. We have like small meetings over time, but like this is like the big strategy meeting. Like, let's talk about the big stuff now. Monday. 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 What's faster than a top fuel dragster down the quarter mile? Your business when you use Dynamite Jobs Recruiting to supercharge your cash flow engine. Strap in, gas up, and let the profits flow. If your hiring is slow or falling off track, supercharge your strategy with a zero to 30 minute phone call with our legends of the hard sell. They'll dazzle you with high pressure, career killing sales tactics, urgency, persistence, auto dealership desperation. And then tell me you couldn't use a little more of these in your pursuit of business excellence. Operations managers in Omaha, marketing mavens in Marbella, coding wizards in Cape Town. We're taking this race global. Thanks to the support of listeners like you, it's not just a hard driving EN clothes and showing at the wheel anymore. We've got a whole team at your service this Monday. Monday. Let's outrun your competition with an insanely profitable hire from Dynamite Jobs. Head on over to dynamitejobs.com and click on remote recruiting. When you replaced yourself with another person who is not as talented, funny, genius, what were the results? It came back to me later on that I was working as a firefighter and an arsonist because I was getting involved in things like somebody was working for us. I thought, man, this person's going to leave. We better start recruiting somebody else. I know this person's going to leave. Liz, you better post some ads. Like, we got to get this going. And I guess it came out on a coaching call. It's like, look, Dustin is now an arsonist, but he's also a firefighter. 
He's creating problems that he can solve and only he can solve. And I didn't realize that until it came back to me in a roundabout way. It's like, okay, I just need to step back. And sometimes you just have to step back and realize that smart people will figure out the solutions. And that's what I did without me being a micromanager. And I never thought I was much of a micromanager, but I felt like one eye was always looking on what was going on. And I just had to trust her. Why was it hard for you to see? I think anytime you have a baby for 14, 15 plus years, you're like, no, I know I got to give some more guiding steps. Oh, she probably doesn't know this customer as well as I do. I need to provide some guidance. And honestly, after a year or so, I have seen new products developed for that company without my guidance, without my knowledge. I was aware of it, I would say, but it was taking a direction that I probably wouldn't have taken. And it was probably for the better. Here's a good example. A month ago, we went to this municipal conference. We had a booth for TownWeb and a booth for HeyGov. And one of my new employees from HeyGov flew here to Wisconsin. And then each of our companies had a breakout session, but they're at different times. So I did my breakout session with our group of potential clients. And then TownWeb was on after that. And I attended a meeting with two of my employees and saw what she was revealing was this new product, new dashboard. It's basically built on WordPress, but it's a unique dashboard that is not so WordPressy. It's for non-technical people to be able to upload content and things like that. And it was my first time seeing, I had seen some screenshots in months past, but now I was seeing it in action. And I thought, wow, they did this without my input. <laughs> and they used the team in Serbia. They used the design team that I hired in Egypt. It was all the pieces coming together that they did on their own. And it's like, wow, I felt like I was wiping away a tear. It's like, these guys went to college. They got in. How did you spend your time? What it was like? Some founders find it difficult to transition into the new thing. Were you just like, man, HeyGov is such an enormous opportunity. It's so easy to spend my time here. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like HeyGov is the biggest thing that I will probably ever work on, especially when it comes down to municipalities. I think it's going to be 10x what TownWeb is. And what was interesting about this too is I hired a completely new team. Actually, it was Tim was the one that suggested this. If you're going to start a new business, start a new company, you should have completely new people. Otherwise, you're going to have current team focusing part on their day-to-day -day job and part on the new project. If you really want to make it run, it's more expensive and you have to have a completely separate team. And so I was able to go from a blank slate and say, what do I want to do that what I would do differently now? In other words, if I were going to start Town Web, but 15 years before, what would I do now knowing what I know now? And that's what I did with HeyGov, where we looked at the more of a branding side of things. Let's talk about that. Yeah, give us a list. What do you mean more of a branding side? We did what's called a discovery call. Who are your clients? What are the things they want to do in their day-to-day -day life? By understanding who they are and their demographics and their archetypes, you can put together possible solutions. So our persona for HeyGov, his name is Landon Parker. He's 35 years old. He works in a kind of a small municipality of 20,000 people, and he wants to get to a municipality of like 80,000 people so he can have a lot bigger salary. This guy's kind of tech savvy. He wants to be loved by the people so that he can get a great recommendation and get a job and take his next step in his career. So now that we have a really good understanding of who this person is, we can build this visual design around our ideal client. And so the next step is to do stylescapes. So it's basically like a visual blueprint. Huh, it looks beautiful. So this sounds like people coming from larger businesses with this kind of expertise. I don't hear a lot of bootstrappers talking like this. No, that's what I wanted to do differently. It wasn't like 
hey, let's just go on Fiverr and get a logo real quick and slap something <laughs> together. I really wanted to do it the right way because I really feel like the future is to sell to a larger competitor, a larger government technology company. And I thought, well, how can we be a mini version of that where we have a suite of tools, we have a really nice branding, we have personality. So I hired a copywriter, Leanna Patch. Uh -huh. She wrote the kind of engaging, goofy, quirky stuff that Landon likes. Yes. The stuff that Landon would read and like, okay, I get these guys because <laughs> here's another thing too. All these larger government technology companies, they're like bankers. They're boring people because it's a boring industry. Let's face it. It's all safe. And I wanted to be edgy on this. If anything, I wanted to be known. But if I'm known in the industry, people remember my name will remember HeyGov. And when it comes up for proposals, it's like, look, these guys have personality. This software actually does something that's interesting versus being just, hey, this is a B2B or B2G solution. Let's plug it into our system. And luckily, I was able to acquire HeyGov.com as a domain name because really the business is now built around the brand. How much did you pay for that? I think it was for sale for $6,000. I was ready to spend up to nine, but I <laughs> took notes from the podcast that you guys had and... With Rob. I think, it, yeah, with Rob. And what I did is it was connected through GoDaddy. So I wrote as this ultra, what's called alter ego. Uh -huh. I was thinking of like the lady, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> it turns out it was somebody in India. If the guy's listening, I'm sorry. I said, oh, oh, blessed you. I, I'm so interested in this domain. I have ideas to use it for this project. Would you by chance be interested in lowering the price? We only have a limit of $4,000 or something like that. We ended up doing the deal. He posted on Dan.com. So I was able to use escrow through it and got it for just under 5K. Okay, so let's go back then to the startups for the rest of us. You're thinking, I want to stair step up. I'm going to build a SaaS. So you're charging a monthly membership for each product here that the municipalities will sign up for? Yes. One of the things I've noticed, Dustin, is you've got at least four products here that I know of in the HeyGov umbrella. I build one little button on my website and a user signs up for it. And now it just feels like I've got to manage that little part of that product ongoing. How are you managing such a wide scope? I'm going to put it like this. This is quite ambitious to build a whole suite instead of just, hey, 311. You could build a software that gives alerts to citizens and you could focus just on that. So how do you choose bundle versus vertical? It seems like bundle to me is quadrupling your costs in terms of development. Yeah, I'm not too worried about the cost of development because the opportunity is quite big. I did my first municipal website 20 years ago. And at the time, very few municipalities had websites. Now we're 20 some years into this journey and we're building software for the digitization of local government. And there's very few people who actually have this type of software. They don't even know it exists yet. They don't realize how big of a pain point they have. So I'm willing to take the time and effort and the money to be able to build the software in order to be able to get a foot in the market because I know it's going to be huge. And as far as the 311, it's basically allows citizens to report and track issues. The code name for this back in the day was the pothole app because that was the original <laughs> version of HeyGov was to be able to allow people to be able to take pictures of things that aren't correct in their municipality and report them. Potholes, graffitis, ordinance violations. It's almost like a tattletale app without being, what's it called, front door or uh, next, next door. door without being next door. Yes. I went ahead and started showing it to places and they're like, yeah, I think it's great. Would you spend money for it? Yeah. 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 I think we, we do it. We could definitely use that. And then we kind of launched it, got it ready to go and followed up with those people. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, we don't really have a lot going in our, in our town. And so it was like, wow, we built something 
we got validation. And then somebody said, read the mom test. It's basically just a framework of asking the right questions to potential customers. So that's what I did. Can you help us do a little bit before and after? Because I think we've all been in this situation where ideas are cheap in some ways, and, and then people are really happy to jump on board of an idea bandwagon. But when then you go to them and you say, can you please go to your meeting next month, advocate everybody else and cut a check my direction? All of a sudden, everybody goes cold. The premise for the mom test is if you have something that's great, it's an amazing idea, and you ask your mom about it, she's going to say, oh, honey, I think that's a great idea. You think people would buy it? Oh, honey, yeah, lots of people pay for that. You ask your friends. They don't want to let you down. They're going to say, yeah, I think it's a great idea. You talk to potential customers. They just want to get off the call right away. Yeah, 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 yeah that's great. <laughs> But no, the mom test is a difference in how to ask the right questions. So I called up a bunch of potential customers and people who weren't customers. I found them on LinkedIn and said, tell me about your day to day. How do people complain about things? How do people report potholes? And eh, we don't have a lot happening. What about dog licenses? Well, they have to fill out a form or another idea I was looking at was building HR software for municipalities. So how often do you have to hire for somebody in another department? Or where do you advertise for that? Eh, we just throw it on LinkedIn or we just throw it on Indeed.com. It didn't seem like it was a big pain point. So by having many dozens of these conversations and asking a series of questions around different app ideas that I had, I found out that the licensing one and the payment ones were the ones that people voiced their opinions on more where I could sense that there was friction and I could sense that they'd be willing to pay money for a solution that would streamline that. Can you give us a snapshot of where you guys are at right now so that we can follow up? Right now is... I still think a very fledgling startup. We have 19 customers, generated less than $100,000 in the first year of business. We are quoting a lot larger projects than TownWeb had ever done in the early years. We're at a point now where we have clients in five states. I'm going through the seed round fund with potential investors, and I'm finding out that I have to pitch to them in a different way than maybe I pitch to potential customers. What are you offering investors and what resonates with them? I'm legally not allowed to say publicly what the opportunity is, because then I think you're governed by SEC rules. Okay. But the idea is, is that we would have a safe, it's a simple agreement for future equity, because I really think this is a company that will run a series A round. And so we'll get further funding in the future. The idea is to grow to $10 million a year and sell for 100 million, 10x multiple from a strategic acquirer. Can you talk to me about the role of ambition? You don't strike me as one of these guys, like the caricature of the entrepreneur who's trying to take over the world or the type of entrepreneur I watch on Netflix who walks over people in pursuit of their dream. You never struck me as someone who's out of balance or that is overly stressed out about the day to day of just running a decent business. So why then take on the challenge of taking investor money, building an eight figure business? I think a lot of it is a mindset thing. And that I think that's one of the advantages of working with a business coach is that you shouldn't just be happy with X. Would you be happy with even more? Or do you want to try to achieve something even bigger? And I feel like starting the process with building HeyGov is I removed a lot of those beliefs removed a lot of those barriers thinking, well, this is actually a game. How do we compete against these larger companies? How do we be different? How do we be unique and memorable? And for me, I think that's the fun part, building something new, building something that's different. I also realized in my mind that I might not be the person to grow the company to the next level. I felt like I made a right decision with hiring Liz to be general manager of TownWeb that gave me the freedom to run and build HeyGov. But I feel like maybe at a certain level, I can hire somebody better than me. I don't have to be the person who's the puppet master pulling the strings. Other people can do that. That's why I'm open to taking on investors and working with people who can give me advice because I often listen to people 
even if I don't think they're right, they have some truth in what they're saying. And I let that marinate in my mind for a while. That's cool. I very much like to follow up with you on the show and see your progress in HeyGov. Part of the reason that we're talking today is because I noticed that you won a business model contest in Wisconsin. What is that even? (laughs) Yeah, it was a business plan competition. Okay. And so the state of Wisconsin offers a chunk of money to people who complete the program, who compete. I think this year they told us there's 250 people who are in the competition. And I successfully got through stage one. And then when I got towards stage two, I realized that there's another government technology company in that had competed years prior. Somebody kind of well-known in Wisconsin. And the thing about people from Wisconsin is we're easy to get along with, especially if we see another person (laughs) from Wisconsin. It's not like, oh, you're trying to compete with me or anything like that. We're in different spaces. We're competing for similar customers, but we have completely different products. And he was so kind, so nice. He gave me his information. He's like, oh, you should add more of this. I was sending him my early pitch decks. He's like, oh, you got to change this, add some information like this. And that got me onto stage four. And stage four was getting physically on the stage and competing in front of several hundred people, many of them investors. But I realized that I don't feel like I'm the best public speaker at all. The secret to this is I hired a performance arts coach. I hired people who are on stage at the local theater and I wrote them an email. I said, I know this is coming out of left field, but I'm going to be on stage in a couple of days of this business plan competition. And I recorded a video of me doing the pitch. I'm like, is there anything that you guys can do to help me improve this? And we got on a call over Memorial Day weekend. They were very generous with their time. We had two different calls. They helped me improve the story arc to follow the hero's journey, which is amazing. I never thought of that. And then the (laughs) next day, they helped me button everything up. So it it was punchy in the beginning. It was punchy at the end. And then I asked, how do I dress? What should I wear? We analyzed what the stage looked like and they gave me all this advice. It was really quirky. I feel like when you talk to somebody who's in performing arts, you can talk about anything, even if it's stupid, because they're going to laugh at it or they're going to find humor in it. I just had so fun doing that. And that was, I think that got me over the edge that got me to place first in the business plan contest for information technology. It just shows how you approach problems too. I think that's a wonderful entrepreneurial story. Even the Memorial Day weekend bit, I often find a lot of connections that are sort of adjacent to your core business happen on holidays and weekends and strange happenstances come together. Last question is the hardest one is, let's flip it around. Now you're the business coach and our listenership are new agency owners. They have a skill set in particular marketing or technology, and maybe they have their first handful of customers. What are some things that you would say to inspire or guide them in their next year of of their journey? I think probably the big thing in the beginning is you're probably priced too cheap. I would also look at, uh, did they do any branding exercises? Do they really know who their ideal client is? Do they have that as as an avatar, as a persona? Is it completely written down and visual for everybody on the team? Do they have a name for that person? I think once you have a name for that person and a visual element, you understand that person's story and everything you do from development, from design to onboarding to marketing material is focused on that avatar. Many thanks to Dustin Overbeck. You can check out his sites over at townweb.com and heygov.com. We'll also post in the show notes links to his previous interview when he talked about leaving his, quote, dream job in Los Angeles to move to Romania and why that's a banger as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back. I'm going to go sort out this jet lag thing and come back with some energy next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.